Yeah, that got your attention. It's the audio choke at MMATorch.com, also podcast and on the iTunes. So uh, subscribe to that and also leave a comment. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, audio choke at Twitter.com, Facebook.com, MMATorch over on the Facebook. And this is Good Podcast with your hosts. I'm Greg Rowan. I'm Tobin Shelby. Oh, using your actual name this time. I don't know. You look so ashamed. You'd be like, I'm Richard. I always use my actual name. Yeah, right. I, I think Tobin likes to think that we're above the gimmicky sounds. Yeah, <laughs> Matt, when did you become a zany FM DJ? <laughs> and I'm Matt Collins. <laughs> Ooh. We just need to get some sound effects, like yeah. a, a morning zoo. Honk, honk. Woo, woo, woo. That's what I'll do today, because I'm woefully unprepared. So what the hell's happening in the world of mixed martial arts, guys? Seems to me there's a show coming up. Yeah, UFC on Versus this weekend. Damn it, Matt. I'm <laughs> <laughs> making Dover lose his train of thought. Oh, this is, this is going to be a good show. Uh, the 21st, Sunday. Aruga. Sunday. You don't want to do the, the echo voice? Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Thank you. Yes, um, and it's uh, the first UFC event on Versus. Uh, sounds like I think they're scheduled to do at least two a year. Yeah, with their new contract and um, good news for people uh, subscribers to Directv who have not been able to see the past several WEC events on Versus. It sounds like they've ironed out that issue and Versus will be back on Directv. So excellent. People can watch MMA again on uh, Directv on Yay. Versus or Versus yeah. on Directv. That doesn't really affect any of us, but it's, right. it's good for uh, the WEC fan base and, of course, anyone who wants to watch the WEC and uh, hasn't been able to because, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of good fights on there. Yes. And um, with the WEC, or versus, I should say, trying to build up its reputation, uh, it was really just a matter of time, I think, for this to happen. Yeah, it's got, um, you know, a lot. I, th- I think the, I don't know if the UFC being on versus helped that, but, I mean... Uh, the UFC has a much broader, broader uh, uh, fan base, so a potential for a much bigger audience, so that might have helped influence it. And also you have the NHL playoffs and such that are broadcast on Versus, and I'm pretty sure, you know, I don't know how many people subcri- subscribe to DirecTV, but, you know, it's got to be tens of millions, I would assume. Every single person uh, helps, though, you know, especially right. with their ultimate goal of the Versus network trying to be a competitor to the ESPN juggernaut, yeah. Yeah. then they're going to need every single TV they can get. Well, they've got the bull riding market covered. So. Yeah. Well, and, and UFC is, is a pretty big deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, they've got some of the best ratings on Spike. They've pretty much taken over one of the most popular cable channels and uh, have some of the best ratings on all of cable television. So for them to just kind of give their blessing to this other channel and uh, you know throw a few shows that way, that's going to get that channel a lot more exposure than it's already got. Yeah, and expect to see... Uh, I mean, I don't know if we'll see cross-promotion because it would be pretty weird to see two channels promoting each other, but I think you're going to see a lot of promotion, obviously, for upcoming pay-per-views and such as well. So there's a, a lot there that'll... Uh, you know, think about it. I don't know if, like, you're going to get new view- viewers on Versus for the event so much as people following it over. Yeah. People who normally watch the UFC following it over. Or had it before right. it was taken away. Right, but I think yeah. the thing, I think the thing, we are going to see promotion probably for the w- upcoming WEC pay-per-view and WEC shows that don't get as much attention. Um, yeah. Because, you know, 
WC isn't watched as much. So if a larger fan base does follow the UFC over two verses, I think uh, that could. They're probably hoping they'll stick around and watch WEC and that sort of thing as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of new UFC viewers out of this deal. There's not a whole lot of right. people who have been watching WEC for years and be like, whoa, what is this UFC that's showing up? This is that, awesome. That would actually be really hilarious. <laughs> but I'm sure it's going to happen a lot with uh, you know the UFC being promoting the show on Versus, promoting the show on Versus, and then, hey, there's this other show that's been on Versus for a few years now. Check yeah. this out. You guys should watch it. Yes. So I, I guess we should talk about the card, huh? Yeah, the card. The card yeah. So we got uh, the main event, John. Oh, I just kicked the chair. I was sitting in. More shuffling noises. Oh, was that shuffling? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, come on, I'm trying here. I'm not that one guy from the Police Academy movies. Come on, what's his name, Tobin? I know you know. I always refer to him as that guy from Spaceballs, but whatever. <laughs> Pardon me. Yeah, Anyways. That's right. So John Jones versus Brandon Vera in the main event. They also have Junior Dos Santos versus Gabriel Gonzaga and Czech Congo versus Paul Buentello. So that should be uh, should be fun. Good. L- Good two hours, co- yeah. You know, I don't even know. I, I think it's... It might be a shorter card than that. I'm not really sure what the length is. Well, they've only got three cards as main card right, fights. The, yeah, the fights we just mentioned um, are the main card fights. I think but then they've, they've, yeah, they've got a lot of undercard fights, so I don't know if they're going to have a short show or if they're just waiting and seeing what fights are exciting and uh, show them that way. But, they, I mean, they've only got three fights that were basically guaranteed to see, and those are the three that he just mentioned. But there, there's a handful of other fights. So uh, hopefully it's a longer broadcast, and uh, they just want to see like what's going to be fun to watch, what's going to be boring to watch, because you know they're going to be on a new channel. And while anyone who's watched Versus has probably seen some MMA, uh, they definitely probably want to stick their best foot forward, which is why they're giving such a good card on free TV anyway. And uh, I bet they're just looking to see some exciting fights. Yeah, um, yeah. Surprisingly, googling UFC on Versus length. Didn't give me anything useful. So. Oh. But yeah, I, I, it's not going to be like a full length card or anything like that. I don't think. But yeah, they, they. I mean, there's a lot of fights lined up and a lot of preliminary bout, bouts to look forward to. Hopefully. And about three fights takes about an hour, wouldn't you well, say? Well, I mean, that's what you you schedule for them with going commercials. Full, yeah, you schedule for them going the full length. Um, you know, and you take like what a minute or two break between, or a minute break commercial break between rounds, and then you kind of stuff more commercials in between yeah. fights. And but, then like there's the entrances and the. Yeah. The post-fight commentary and stuff. I would think on a, a two-fight or a two-hour show, they'd probably schedule usually a fourth fight. Probably, you know, give each fight a half hour. Because um, you know they, they always got to talk before and after each fight too. Um, so three fights seems like kind of an awkward number to me, um, unless they're planning on something going quickly. Um, oof. I don't want to use Wikipedia. That was the first thing that popped up on there. I'm like, no, I'm not I'm not looking at Wikipedia for. Any sort of detail, but we also have, um, you know, Clay Guida's on the card versus Shannon Gugarty and uh, James Irvin versus Alessio Sakara. So those might end up being like the fourth fight on there, and those could be bumped up into the. Uh, yeah, and the Irvin and Sakara fight could likely be very quick. That's uh, you know both those guys like to knock dudes out, and uh, Irvin is one of the more random guys in the UFC. Yeah, he, he's uh, got one of the fastest knockouts in the UFC with a, a flying knee. I don't know, it was probably like 10 seconds into his fight once or something. Well, like that, that was actually the second round. Oh, well, I'm dumb. <laughs> um, he had been smothered by Terry Martin for the entire first round, and then the second round got one of the best highlight reel knockouts yes. ever, where he uh, gets extra style points for not even turning around to look see if the guy is knocked out. He just uh, throws a flying knee and starts celebrating. Yeah, yeah that's a... Uh, 
Yeah, bad on me for not not remembering that it was in the second round, but it's just yeah, one of those things. Yeah. You you see it so much in the highlight reel, and because they basically came out, it was right at the start of the second round, yeah. right? I mean, they basically, yeah. However, yeah. he does have one of the fastest knockouts in the UFC just not over Houston Alexander, where, uh, I mean, I, I couldn't tell you the time off the top of my head, but it was a quick one-punch thing, and, I mean, Houston wasn't out-out, but they stopped it, and that was, that was on the downfall of Houston Alexander. He was... Uh, he was looking good, looking good in the UFC, and I, I think that was actually his second loss in the UFC. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, James Irvin got that one. But I think he's been out of action since the Anderson Silva fight, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, Another quick knockout, but not uh, in his favor that time. Yeah, goodness gracious, yeah. <laughs> James, James Irvin got his face uh, reconstructed by Anderson Silva. So, yeah, let me uh, check it out here. Yep. Yeah, hasn't fought since the Anderson Silva loss back uh UFC Fight Night 14 back in July of 2008. Yeah, well, that was uh, when the UFC was trying to counter the first affliction card yep. where Fedor fought uh, Tim Sylvia. And uh, they, they put that card together on, like, five weeks' notice or something. Um, it's because, they, you know, they didn't know they were going to do anything until all of a sudden it's like, well, you know, there's this big pay-per-view, yep. upstart promotion, let's give free fights on TV, which yep. is kind of made a habit of since then. Yep. That was the first time Anderson Silva has jumped up weight and, uh, you know, seemed to have some enjoyment doing that since then. Yeah, caught a kick, punch in the face, all over in about one minute. Uh, yeah, and checking the uh, the knockout on Houston Alexander for uh, James Irvin, oh, eight seconds in the first round. Eight seconds. Yeah. Superman punch. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to this UFC on versus card for sure and, uh, I mean, the the three main, you know, three big fights are all um, potential to be very exciting and also kind of have ramifications for their weight divisions. I mean, John Jones and Brenda Vera, uh, light heavyweight, and then the two heavyweight fights between Dos Santos and Gonzaga, and then Congo and Buentello could all have a... I guess the Congo and Buentello, not as much immediately, but, you know, they're both kind of looking to bounce back from uh, losses. So. Yeah, that's definitely kind of the rebound one, see who's still relevant. If uh, Congo loses that one, uh, I mean, while his last two losses are definitely to guys who are pretty much top five uh, right now with Frank Mir and Cain Velasquez, that'll be three in a row for him. And, I mean, heavyweight is always the weakest division, but it's pretty hard for anyone to justify their job in the UFC after three straight losses. So I mean, we, we might see him around because he's a heavyweight and because he's a knockout guy. But, um, you know, if, if he loses that fight, then he's definitely fighting for his job after that one. And uh, Buentello is a guy who got a title shot in, like, 2005 against Andrei Arlovsky and lost in quick knockout fashion in that fight. And then he was gone for a while and racked up a lot of wins and then came back and just had his uh, loss in his uh, re-debut against uh, Stefan Struve. That was a fun fight. That was a fun fight. You got to punch the really tall guy out of the air. Yes. Um, and he ended up losing by decision, which, you know, rightfully so. He, I, I felt that he lost that one, although it was a very competitive fight. Yeah, good back and forth, for sure. Yeah, he, he uh, lost uh, the majority decision to Stefan Struve. Um, and before that, he was fighting in Affliction, also had some fights in Strikeforce. And he's a, he's a, he's a MMA veteran. He's been around for quite some time. So that should be a fun fight. It, it, it's kind of hard for me to... Uh, to pick on this one, just because I think that Buentello is probably a better mixed martial artist, but I think Congo is probably better at what Buentello likes to do, and that's to stand up and strike. Um, you know, Buentello seems to have, I don't know that he necessarily has a whole lot of ground game, but he seems to be good at avoiding the ground, for the most part. Um, 
and Congo is uh, really kind of a uh, subpar wrestler in terms of uh, mixed martial arts at the elite level. So while Buentello could probably bring the fight to the ground um, if he wanted to, I, I don't see that actually happening. And uh, I, I would think that Congo would probably be favored on the, the striking department. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, Paul, Paul Buentello, uh, looking at his record, 17 of his 27 wins are from uh, TKO or KO, and he's got nine submissions um, and only only one uh, decision, actually, for, hmm. for wins. So, yeah, I mean, it looks like he's just looking at his record. He's capable of pulling off a submission. But, yeah, I mean, his nickname's the Headhunter. He's, he likes to strike. He likes to, uh, you know, throw with opponents. But, um, yeah, and we'll see. You know, I, I, I was thinking about it, and, yeah, I... Congo is a very good striker. Uh, you got the kickboxing background and such. And um, yeah, I mean, I think if he he's got he hits hard, and I think if he connects, you know, a good clean shot on Buentello, uh, he, he could end the fight there. And you know, it's always bad to look like the one bad loss to judge a fighter on. But I mean, uh, if anything, the Buentello's loss to Andre Arlovsky back, you know, yeah, it was a uh, 2005. Uh, they fought, uh, he lost in 15 seconds on a really just punch directly to the face. It, it always brings into question, you know, you know, was it a lucky punch or did he just catch him, you know, in that one perfect spot? But yeah, I mean, it, if he just looking at that, you know, Buentello's history, if he gets hit clean, you know, a solid clean shot, you know, he he can go out pretty fast. So. Yeah. Who knows how it'll end up? But yeah, I, I could really see this going either either way, uh, just because, like you mentioned, the Buentello being a more complete MMA fighter, but um, it's uh, should be lots of. Uh, Lots of punches being thrown here. I think it's going to be uh, probably be over pretty quick. Well, I don't like to judge too quickly with Buentello on that fight uh, for a couple of reasons. One is that Arlovsky is known to punch extremely hard. Um, I mean, he's got a lot of just brutal knockouts. And, um, you know, also I, I can't think of any other times that Buentello has been knocked out. Um you pull up a uh, yeah. I'm checking on Alistair Overeem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did he get knocked out on that one? Let's see. He lost a uh, nope. Lost to Alistair Overeem on a submission. He's only got one other uh, loss by uh, TKO or KO here. I'm trying to see if I can find which one it was. Da, 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 da. So I, I think it's a little early to uh, say right. he's got chin issues necessarily, and he took a lot of punishment in that fight with Struve. So um, yeah, that's I'm, a good point. I mean, that said, Congo's the kind of guy who can knock you out even if you've never been knocked out. So. Yeah. Uh, it, it, uh, it's a very interesting fight to me in that sense. Um, and, I mean, uh, Congo could definitely win the decision, I think, also, if the fight were to be standing up the whole time. He's got all the knees um, with the tie clinch that he used very well against Krokop. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you can beat Krokop standing up, I think you could probably beat Montello also. Yeah. Uh, looking at his uh, Montello's record here, his, his other TKO loss was a doctor stoppage. Back in 1999, to Todd Broadway, who yeah. wow, the guy who set UFC aflame. That's <laughs> awesome. Oh yeah, De- definitely, uh, definitely before the UFC days for Brontello and Todd Broadway, who is uh, four and one. Oh, wow. back winning back, record. I mean, that's one of those things where you, I mean, clearly, you know, every fight, you know, plays into the development of a fighter. But you know, when you when you look at someone who's had such a long career as a Bontello or any other veterans, you know, their first couple fights, you know, how much of that really resonates as to who they are as a fighter now, you know, because the fight games evolved so much. I mean, that was back in 99. I mean, 
Yeah. Again, it's going to be like, oh, he, you know, lost to submission by uh, Dan Severn back in 97. You know, oh, he's, he's really susceptible <laughs> to submissions, I bet. Or he might have improved his game. Yeah. Well, in, you know, people still hold years. Randy Couture's losses in Japan over submission against him, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, it's one, it, we'll, we'll see. But, um, yeah, I'm excited about this fight. I guess we should, uh, the, the, the really exciting heavyweight matchup is uh, Junior Dos Santos and Gabriel Gonzaga, which, uh, hmm. This is a that's a big one. Yeah, it is. You know, it's the uh, it's not even necessarily a big step up for Dos Santos, who's who's had pretty steady competition in the heavyweight division. But uh, I mean, Gabriel Gonzaga is certainly uh, no joke. It's more well-rounded competition, though. I mean, he's fought a lot of really good guys. Uh, I mean, he fought Fabricio Verdum, who is an excellent submission guy, but he he caught him uh, extremely cleanly before the fight ever went to the ground. And then he's fought mostly strikers since then. I mean, Krokop and Gilbert Ivo, there was really no threat of those guys taking him down. So he, he's gotten all these stand-up wins against uh, stand-up guys other than Verdum. Uh, his other one is in the UFC is uh, Struve. Stefan Struve in about 54 seconds. And, and that Struve is someone who's proven to be good on the ground. But, yeah, just you know, yeah. was able to take him out before that became an issue. And Struve also likes to stand up, as is evidenced by the Buentello fight. Yes. Um, so... This is, I think, the first fight that we're going to see uh, Dos Santos have to either work his sprawl game or, you know, see how he does on his back. Because while Gonzaga does have uh, some really highlight real knockouts, he considers himself to be a jiu-jitsu guy. I mean, he even says that he won his fight against Krokop uh, because of his jiu-jitsu. You know, he, he softened him up on the ground and then unleashed the highlight real knockout kick. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a fight that is... Not completely striker versus grappler, but we're going to see how well-rounded of a game uh, Junior Dos Santos has, which is uh, a big plus for me because this guy has been coming in there and just knocking out all these great fighters, uh, stand-up fighters, but we really haven't seen anything in his his ground game at all. It's a huge question mark here. We don't know if we can call this guy championship material or if he's just, you know... Another great striker. Right. Yeah. I mean, looking at this, I, yeah, I think Gonzaga's a good, uh, a good test. Someone to, I mean, because Gonzaga's, I, like you mentioned, I mean, he's he can do it both, you know, go on the ground or you know, but he also likes to throw. I mean, he's got a, he's got the brutal, brutal head kick KO over uh, Mirko Krokop back in uh, 07, and then you know he, he's fought some very tough competitions, you know. Losses to Verdum and Randy Couture and uh, Shane Carwin, uh, his most recent loss. So, I mean, he, he's definitely fought a, a steady stream of very, very quality uh, heavyweights and quality fighters. So I think uh, putting them in there against Los Santos should be an uh, interesting uh, kind of test to see where both of them are right now. Um, but at, at this point, I kind of think Dos Santos, has the speed, uh, you know, hand speed, punching speed, and, and power as well is gonna, might be, be an issue there. And, you know... I think he might just be a bit quicker than Gonzaga, but, uh, you know, who knows? Yeah, well, I would expect Dos Santos to take it standing up, which yeah. is, and I think Gonzaga knows this. Uh, from all the interviews I've seen with Gonzaga, I mean, he's he's not looking to stand up and trade for this fight. He's looking to work the ground game. So it should be interesting to see if he, uh, see if he can get him there. Yeah, and, uh, you know, after, uh, you know, let's say if uh, Dos Santos wins, I mean, is he... Does that prove he's like ready for a championship shot, or does he need another another fight after that? Or I, I guess the heavyweight division's kind of all jumbled up right now because you got Brock Lesnar coming back and 
Carwin and Mir fighting for the basically uh, interim number one contenders yeah. title match thing. So probably depends on how he wins. Yeah, yeah. The you know the the excitement factor is always a uh, always one to throw in there. That's a good point. Yeah, or if he's able to use his you know some sort of ground game or you right. know use the sprawl what, effectively. Right. What he shows. There, in the fight. As Greg was just saying, lots of question marks or yeah. at least one big one. Yes, but I mean, Shane Carwin managed to get himself a shot without getting out of the first round ever. So. Yeah, and he actually got that shot from uh, beating Gonzaga. Yep, yep. But, you know, that was also a year ago, and the division has really stacked up since then also, um, partly due to Brock Lesnar being sick, and, you know, just nobody's gotten a title shot since then, and there's been all these guys who have kind of popped up as the clear contender, or at least having earned a shot, uh, but there's no champion to kind of release the steam. So as a result, we've basically got four guys, assuming that Junior Dos Santos wins this fight, that have a uh, a good reason why they could say that you know they deserve a shot. And that's uh, you know Junior Dos Santos, Cain Velasquez, coming off his win, uh, very impressive over Noguera, mm-hmm. and then uh, Frank Mir and Shane Carwin, who are set to fight coming up. Um, so clearly the winner of that is uh, going to have probably the best argument, I would say. Um, but they might put together some kind of a four-man tourney like they did uh, when Brock Lesnar actually won the title, mm-hmm. where uh, you know maybe Cain Velasquez will fight Brock, and then Junior Dos Santos would fight the winner of uh, Mir and Carwin, and then uh, have the two winners of that fight each other. Because uh, the only other option I really see, other than continuing to build up Carwin, or not Carwin, uh, Cain and uh, Junior slowly, is uh, to have them fight each other, which that would be a fun fight, but it's kind of like you, you you're knocking off two really strong, pre- yeah. pre- uh, you know, future contenders. You know, one of them would have to start rebuilding after that fight. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was gonna say. Is that like I would love to see that fight, but you know, like that's a fight that could potentially be a five rounder in a few years. Yeah. So, um, I, I don't see why they need to fight each other yet. Um, but you know, if that's what the UFC decides to do. I'll be watching. I'll enjoy it. Right. I mean, the nice thing about having this card and then, you know, the uh, the pay-per-view coming up soon is you kind of have close scheduling so you could, you know, match up, you know, whoever uh, the uh, Dos Santos-Gonzaga, uh, you know, whoever comes out of that, the victor, with maybe, you know, whoever comes out of the Mir Carwin fight, you know, supposedly, you know, for uh, maybe the loser of that fight would take on, you know, the winner of this fight because, I mean, Mir and Carwin are... Yeah, at this point, you know, arguably, you know, a bit, a bit higher, much higher up on the on the ladder than like a Gonzaga or Dos Santos at this point. So it'd be another step up in competition to kind of prove that they're they're ready to go to the next level, uh, that sort of thing. So, because if they are going to give the uh, the winner of uh, Carwin Mir the, t- the shot against uh, Lesnar for sure, then uh, you got you got to do something with those other heavyweights kind of floating around. Yeah. Well, in all honesty, I do believe that the winner of the Mir Carwin fight will deserve the title shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, either one of them individually could justify it, even if this wasn't being billed as the number one contender fight. Right. Carwin, he was given the title shot in November, and it wasn't his fault the fight didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I don't want to like say there's any blame on Brock Lesnar. He got sick, but uh, you know, it's like his intestines, insides fault. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Carwin was in line, and uh, the title shot got delayed, and uh, he's got basically one really tough fight ahead of him, and uh, should he win that, I don't see why he wouldn't get the title shot. And then Mir, you know, he's coming off the uh, the victory over Chet Congo, but before that, you know, he had lost to Brock Lesnar. So uh, a victory over Shane Carwin, that would be two tough wins in a row. Mm-hmm. That would be setting up a rubber match, because Mir does hold the only victory over Brock Lesnar. And... Um, you know, he had that one loss, 
but um, he's looked very impressive in his wins that he's had. Uh, I mean, he, he brutalized Noguera, which, you know, now Velasquez has done that also, but he, he knocked down uh, Czech Congo, which, you know, like, I don't think there was a whole lot of people picking Czech Congo to win the fight necessarily, but... You know, you wouldn't think that he was going to score the knockdown uh, right, followed like, by the submission. Do it that quick, you know, get a get a nice shot in there and then be able to throw in a... Because, uh, you know, it figured Mir would win by submission eventually, just not, like, you know, that quick. Yeah. Well, and, and he basically won the fight standing up. I mean, he clamped down a submission, yeah. but uh, he, he didn't do a wrestling takedown. I mean, he, he, he took him down by punching him in the face. Yes. So that was... I mean, it, to me... Uh, Mir's victories have been more impressive the way he's gone about doing them than it is just the fact that like you know he won a fight because people win fights all the time but if you can beat a guy at their own game that's a little more impressive. It also helps if you wish death upon the other person that you want an eventual title shot against. That too, but <laughs> apparently Dana White felt that was a little too far. Too far, yeah. Even for Dana. Yeah, you know, it, it's all about you know who sees it and who re- you know. Sure. I mean, because people say all kinds of crazy stuff, and if, you know, no one, no one, you know, fans or media don't care, that's not really a big deal. But, it's, you know, if you make a statement and someone finds it offensive and then, you know, it gets picked up and carried, then you gotta, you got to do damage control. So. Yep. But, yeah, uh, that's all later on down the road for us to discuss at another date, for sure. But uh, pl- plenty of that to talk about in the coming weeks, I bet. Oh, yeah. Especially after this Sunday, so it's coming up. Um, I guess. So John- chat roulette. Should we should we take this uh, show on the road? Chat roulette? No. Uh, no? No, <laughs> no? No guys masturbating on the internet? Try to teach him about mixed martial arts? I'm, I'm good. What, what happened to that? Brandon <laughs> <laughs> right, <Well>, Vera. <laughs> that's what I was working for, and Matt's like, hey. Hey, how uh, about over here? Yeah. Oh, man. So, um... Yeah, the main event, John Jones, Brandon Vera. Um, I'm also very excited for this fight. Yeah, the, I mean, the the three big fights on this card, I'm all, all excited for. And uh, this is another, you know, John Jones taking a, another step up in competition, and you know, which is nice. They're building him up slowly and, you know, working him up through stiffer and stiffer competition. I think Brandon Vera, it's, I think it's a very good matchup, first of all. I mean, stylistically, I think it'll work well. And, uh, you know, just from... It, there's not a lot. I don't think it's like a mismatch or anything like that, and, and just kind of like the, their styles, I guess, really kind of pan out. And they yeah. both, you know, they're kind of both kind of, you know, from just a, the superficial way, they're both like got the kind of tall, lanky. You know, it's not mm-hmm. like Brandon Vera's a smaller but stocky fighter or something like that. I mean, they both kind of got the same. I uh, guess you don't necessarily want two of the same fighters because this is mixed martial arts, right? And, you know, and then you have a kind yeah. of a boxing tip where you just have two boxers and it's all. Um, you know, the more or less the same disciplines, but right, in this but, one, the point is yeah. the variety. Well, yeah, but uh, I guess uh, on that note, we haven't seen what all John Jones has to offer at this point, uh, because so far he's been able to get good takedowns and kind of do the flashy, um, awesome spinning back, back elbows, back elbows and such. Uh, but yeah, you know, implement a good wrestling game. Whereas Brendan Vera has good wrestling defense, so I don't, you know, who, who knows? John Jones might be able to just, you know blow through him with and, you know, show that he's got, you know, really superior takedowns, that sort of thing. Um, but at the same time, you know, Brandon Vera's kind of proven himself against, you know, very capable wrestlers in the past that he's he's not just going to be taken down and, and beat up on the ground. Yeah. That said, uh, John Jones threw Matt Hamill, and Matt Hamill yeah. is one of the more accomplished wrestlers in the UFC. So, uh, I mean, the, the, the takedown he did there... Uh, 
I would think that Matt Hamill would be harder to take down than Brandon Vera. Uh, you know, I may be incorrect on that, but yeah, this, uh, is, this is where I get geeky because you know, uh, Greco-Roman versus freestyle wrestling. I got to see who has what style here. So, but conti- please continue. Yeah, but just two different kinds of wrestling, but on the, the same uh, main event, and they both have the similar build. Well, Brandon Vera is more of a Muay Thai fighter. Um, yeah, he's got good wrestling defense, but he wouldn't really classify himself as a wrestler. He's uh, mm-hmm. he's definitely a strand stand-up fighter, and he's got some uh, jujitsu that we've heard about over the years, but have not really gotten a whole lot of chance to see. Now, why is this the main event? The uh, Junior Dos Santos fight sounds a lot more interesting and has bigger ramifications for the uh, the UFC. Well, John Jones is. Uh, Quite possibly the UFC's biggest star in production, uh, in terms of like a star down the line. He's the kind of guy who is probably going to be holding a belt five years from now. Is the way that the UFC is looking at things. You know, it might become sooner, it might be later, but uh, this is a guy that uh, UFC's really getting their hype machine behind. He's uh, he's had all wins other than his disqualification loss against Matt Hamill, where he had the downward elbow and. Uh, that ended up being the strike that ended the fight, so he ended up losing by disqualification. He is pretty awesome. He is pretty awesome. And, uh, I mean, I know that Stefan Bonner is not exactly a world beater, but that's uh, a great fight to see. He's just throwing Bonner around, doing all kinds of... I mean, it looks like a WWF fight in certain parts. He's just, uh, you know, throwing him, doing these crazy body slams, and uh, he, d- he does the spinning back elbow that he had mentioned... Uh, uh, so he's a really exciting fighter, and he's a guy that uh, is going to be a guy to continue to watch down the line. And Brandon Vera is kind of a guy who the UFC was really hyping like that four years ago, uh, which is something that I saw Brandon Vera point out on an interview where he's like, "Yeah, you know, I, I've been there. I was the uh, I was the golden boy of the UFC at at a point." And yeah, I mean, he was killing people in the heavyweight division, and yeah, got all kinds of hype behind him. Yeah. Um, and he was actually kind of annoying me with that uh, at a lot of height. I don't mind if you if the UFC hype machine is behind you as long as you have a uh, kind of a modest attitude. But you know he was being all cocky, which uh, to me is more of an attention grabbing thing. And when the attention is all over fights. you anyway, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you don't really need that so much. But he's definitely mellowed out since he's had a few losses handed to him. Um, but he's been talking a lot about how, you know, this is this big step up for John Jones. Is John Jones going to be ready for this and all this stuff? And while he's, you know, he's certainly a step up, I think, and uh, a different test, I don't know that he's a huge level above Matt Hamill. I mean, I think that Matt Hamill versus Brandon Barrett would be an interesting enough fight to see. Um, I wouldn't say that Brandon Barrett would just necessarily blow Hamill out of the water. Yeah. Um,. Oh, I was going to say, you know, upon researching, uh, both both Vera and Jones have, have a Greco-Roman wrestling background. So it be interesting to see. Because, um, I mean, that's that's really like getting more into the minutia there, but, you know, just kind of differentiating between, you know. Because a lot of people at this day and age have, in mixed martial arts, have wrestling background. But, you know, that could be, you know, that's the same you comparing. One summer, you know, back right, in high it could be comparing, you know, like d- different divisions in the NCAA. It's the same thing. It's just like just saying someone has a wrestling background doesn't mean they're necessarily, you know, great at it or match up well against someone. But well, we and, see. and then also there's di- the different styles of wrestling, which are uh, pretty different uh, in terms of application. Um, and the Greco-Roman really seems to be more effective in terms of mixed martial arts. 
because uh, it's a lot harder to sprawl out of that. It's more the clinch kind of takedown that Randy Couture is famous for, as opposed to like the Tito Ortiz or the Mark Coleman, uh, where they do the, the shoot in, um, which is uh, an excellent way to take somebody down. But there is a you know an excellent counter to it also, and that's yeah. the sprawl. If you're clinched, um, it's a lot harder to make just an actual counter to it. A lot of it is just balance and like keeping your feet under you, which Brandon Vera did a great job against uh, Randy Couture about not being taken down. Um, but you know, John Jones has been clinching people and just throwing them. So uh, you know that, that may or may not work against uh, a more athletic, uh, in his prime Jones as opposed to uh, you know Randy Couture who. Defies age, but is still pretty damn old. Right, yeah, he's definitely not, you know, athletically uh, gifted at this point as, as John Jones is. Um, yeah, so it'd be interesting to see. Um, something I was thinking about, you know, really about Brandon Vera's, and, and, you know, I don't know if it's true, but it, it almost appears as if he fights to the, the level of his opponent, um, you know, because he's fought some, and no offense to any of the, the fighters in the past that he's fought, but, you know, his first, when he first moved down to, like, light heavyweight, his fights weren't that exciting. Um, and he wasn't fighting, you know, big stars in the division either. You know, he uh, his first drop and, and the first drop down could also be attributed to you know the, the bigger weight cut. You know, he just seemed kind of sluggish and such. Yeah. But, I mean, but in the past, I mean, you know, when he when he's fighting kind of bigger name fighters or you know uh, more uh, more challenging fighters or people who are you know uh, more proven in the sport at least, it, it seems like he kind of fights fights to that level. Um, so, so it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know. I, I don't know if that really kind of made sense the way I'm putting it out there. No, I got you. He rises to the occasion very well. That, right. um, you know, if it's just <clears throat> another opponent that's supposed to be just another notch in his belt, right. then he's not going to go in there um, really, really swinging for the fences or fighting with his all. If Now, if there's somebody where if he's the underdog, then he rises to the, the occasion a bit better. Is that what you're trying right. to say? Right, it feels like he has something more to prove, that sort of yes. thing. Well, um, I think also part of it might be attributed to uh, he had a lot of time off um, mm. in 2006 and 2007. He uh, had kind of a contract dispute with the UFC and took uh, a significant amount of time between fights. I forget who his last fight was, and th- but that was when he was on a roll, and then he came back and fought Tim Sylvia, who is a tough opponent, but you know he lost that fight, and then he lost to uh, Fabricio Verdum, which is when they dropped... Uh, weight classes that he fought, mm-hmm. uh, I think Reese Andy after dropping down, and uh, I mean he won that fight, but it was it was the fight where you had mentioned he fought sluggish, right? Yeah, and, and yeah. then he lost to Keith Jardine after that, and he looked good since then. Um, I mean he got held on to by Randy Couture, but he, he you know was never in danger, and he had Randy in danger in certain points. Uh, you know, like I gave uh, the fight to Randy, but depending on like what you consider important in terms of scoring, it could be argued that Brandon Vera would have won the fight because he certainly did more damage. Yeah, I mean, he hurt him, hurt him with knees and uh, you know blows to the body. Got yeah. uh, I mean, put Randy down with, with yeah. one of those. Hits, he was so. certainly a lot closer to ever finishing the fight. It just so happened that he was controlled for about 14 minutes of the fight. Right. Um, but a, a contentious, I mean, among fans, at least, kind of contentious decision. Yeah. Very close. Yeah, and like I said, I mean, I gave it to Randy, but I could see, I would have had no problem with Brandon Vera winning the fight uh, just because, you know, that's one part of mixed martial arts is there's so many different things that happen. It's like, what do you consider to be more important in a fight? Do you consider control to be most important? Do you consider being close to finishing? Um, and, you know, a round is a long period of time. Uh, if there's only three rounds, uh, you know, it's pretty easy to steal a fight 
uh, if you could manage to do what's uh, you know what that judge likes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, uh, you know, uh, honestly, I think the the Couture fight will. Uh, you know, it might. Who knows? I mean, what Brendan Vera is thinking after that fight? But you know, coming off of a, a close, tough loss like that, who knows how that's impacted him, and if that's you know maybe motivated him to you know come out swinging or you know make it more decisive. Because uh, you, you know, any time there's a close decision, you always hear the kind of the cliched, you know, oh, they always say don't let it go to the judges, that sort of thing. So maybe that's in the back of Ren Rivera's mind or something like that. We could we could see him, you know, kind of more reinvigorated or you know with a, a different attitude about you know how he wants to take the fight. But yeah. I mean, against John Jones, you know, it's it's gonna be interesting to see you know, kind of the pace that is set, that sort of thing. If they're gonna, you know, both kind of come out going, you know. Flashy and 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 quick, or if it's going to be they're feel each other out and kind of pace the fight out longer. I would expect this to be a much higher paced fight than the Couture mm-hmm. uh, uh, Vera fight. Couture has a way of slowing down any fight that he's in. Right, um, that's that's his game plan. Yeah, grind grind against the fence. Yeah. Uh, so I, I could imagine this one being a, a much more exciting fight than that one, and um, I could definitely see it go to decision, but it'd be like one of those you know. Flying 15 minutes. Of yeah, well, and, and if this does go to decision, we're going to learn a lot. Um, because uh, I think the biggest test uh, that we're going to see John Jones go through is see what his chin is like. Yeah. Because I think this is the first time he's going to take some shots um, if he can't get that fight to the ground really quick. Uh, and, you know, who knows if he's even going to try to. Because sometimes he enjoys to, you know, stand up and do all this crazy, flashy stuff. Um but I'm pretty confident he's at least going to take some shots in this one. So that's going to be uh, that's going to be the big one, I think. Yeah. Another thing about just John Jones's style, and, and you know, it's been successful for him so far. But you know, he does he does throw the kind of flashy moves in there, whether it's you know uh, the spinning uh, back elbow, that sort of thing. And you know, it's it works and it's great. You know, and, and me as a fan, just watching, like, oh, that's awesome because you don't see that in fights that much. Uh, but in you know, the back of your mind, you're like, well, how's this going to play? Because Brendan Barrett at this point is is a veteran. Um, you know, and how's this going to play in the back of your head? You're just like, he's going to get caught doing that, and it's going to go wrong for him at some point, right? You know, you always kind of, there's always that concern that, you know, if he pulls a flashy move and it goes poorly, he could get, you know, Uriah favored, trying to throw a, a flying elbow and just getting punched directly in the face or something. And, and again, it, it, it's worked for him so far, and it's not a critique of his style, but, you know, that that could be a factor as well. It, it, and we'll see, I guess, if, if he's still bringing kind of throwing those flashy moves in, that sort of thing, or, if, you know, Fighting, finding someone of uh, Vera's caliber, uh, what he's gonna, what his game plan is gonna. Yeah, be. there's a reason why uh, most unorthodox moves are, in fact, unorthodox, and yeah. that's because uh, you know if everyone was doing them, they wouldn't be very effective. Uh, they they're really good at pulling people by surprise sometimes. I mean, like Shoney Carter had his uh, his moment in the sun with uh, his back elbow on uh, on Matt Sarah, mm. and you know there's been some other ones, but I mean like we we only have to look at a uh, Kung Lee fighting Scott Smith to see that you know like those spinning back kicks to the breadbasket were yep. uh, you know they were really fun to watch. Yeah, good but, for good for knockdowns, but I mean yeah, but then he gets knocked out in the end, yeah. and uh, you know, uh, that's not always the the best way to do things. Genki Sudo is another example where uh, he was extremely fun to watch. Yeah. I loved watching Genki Sudo. He had the the flying triangles. That he would go for, and um, when standing up, he would even like be facing away from his opponent. You know, usually people turn their body uh, to a certain extent, but he would like literally like have his back to you and be looking over his shoulder sometimes. Yeah. 
And, and certainly not to say that you know that's all John Jones brings to the table. I think he's much more well-rounded than that, has a better base, that sort of thing. But it's just you know when he does pull off a move like that, I'm always... that's what they're going for on the hype machine. That's what they're you know they're showing that on the reels and mm-hmm. things. So. Yeah, well, it definitely it, it, it looks good there, and uh, yeah, the, the more stuff you can get on a, a highlight reel, the better. Yeah, so I mean, and, and again, I think the winner of this fight kind of, you know, if Farrow wins, he'd kind of re-cement himself in that kind of upper echelon, I guess, you know, would cement himself for the first time in light heavyweight at least, but it kind of showed that he is he is one of those uh, higher quality fighters with, you know, uh, like Greg mentioned, I mean, the hypes, you know, he was hyped up a lot and kind of fell off the map for a little bit and came back. But uh, and, and if Jones gets a win over, you know, a veteran like Vera, I think that would be like, you know, his his arrival at in the division as well, showing that he's, yeah. you know, again, ready for, you know, that that upper echelon. Mm-hmm. Well, like the uh, Gonzaga-Junior Dos Santos fight, uh, which, you know, these two are actually pretty similar in terms of uh, ramifications. You mm-hmm. know, it's a guy's, one guy's coming out party and then another guy's the grizzled veteran. Yeah. Um, in this fight, you know, if John Jones wins, that means a lot. If Brandon Vera wins, you know, it means something. He he he'll be the first guy to uh, you know hold a real victory over John Jones. Uh, but it, it doesn't mean as much because you know, like there's still question marks over any new prospect, uh, especially the ones who are built up slowly. Uh, you know, he, he beat Matt Hamill, but would he beat? Or, you know, he didn't beat Mahal, but he, for all practical purposes, he did. But then when he beat the top guys, you know, just because you beat him, does that mean you're up there with the top guys? Mm-hmm. Uh, you just can't really say for sure uh, with that. So, um, Brandon Vera, we more know where he's at, although he's kind of had some ups and downs, too. So it's a little hard to say with uh, 100% confidence where he's at. But we, we've got a general idea of, like, where Brandon Vera places on the landscape. John Jones, um, you know, we don't really know where he places. So if he wins, he gets to catapult himself into uh, into contention, uh, or at least you know close to that. While Brandon Vera, uh, you know, he wins. That really probably says more about Jones than it does say about actually himself. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm kind of I'm seeing if I can find you know because a lot of times you know the the odds makers that sort of thing have the have the you know the the betting line out there, and I was kind of curious you know who's favored to win in that fight. Um, I'm not sure if I'm finding it, but yeah, I, I was, I'd be kind of curious because you know that would be interesting to see. Because I did see the the UFC 111, you know, odds are out, and Dan Hardy's a ridiculous underdog against <laughs> GSP, which is 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 fair. But you know, it's, it, and again, not like those always, you know, are a huge factor. But it's just kind of interesting to see at least where the public um, uh, perspective is, you know, or, or you know. The odds makers' perspective yeah. is and some of that's just advertising too. You know? Some of it's advertising. Some of it's some of it's just based on name value. You know, mm-hmm. you, you have an established fighter versus an up and comer, and you know, just based on name value, they'll be a, they'll be a favorite. Whereas you know, if you look at their their styles and that sort of thing, it's a much closer fight than that. But uh, I'm kind of rooting for John Jones. You know, like hey, let's, uh, oh yeah, John Jones got a future. It, it, I mean, it, it, again, just you know, for me, it's hard to. You, there's a few fighters out there who I, I root for against. Hard, you know. You know Adamantly, I guess, but for the most part, I just I want to see a good fight, and you know, e- either way, I think you know, at least for me, the outcome of this fight is um, uh, I think good things will come out of this fight. Either who win-win, win, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we'll, kind we'll, of. We'll see tougher competition for either fighter, and you know, it'll, it'll affect the uh, again the the upper tier of the uh, light heavyweight division. I think. So, yeah. Um, should we talk? Did you? I know we're still a couple weeks away from the uh, UFC 111, but you guys uh, they started building the hype for that. 
with the uh, the countdown show, the uh, the, the prime, prime time. time. Yes, uh, and I don't know if you got a chance to watch that, Greg. I did not watch it, but I heard about the uh, the big yeah. shocker at the yeah. end of episode one. The dramatic twist. Yeah, why don't you take it away, Tobin? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to break down the whole episode, but it's kind of going over the the fight camps, the uh, prep work between Dan Hardy and GSP prior to their uh, their main event here in uh, UFC 111 in yeah. New Jersey, right? Jersey, and, baby. Yes. Fist bump it. And, um, you know, they're talking about the mentalities going in, all that sort of stuff. And George St. Pierre was all, he's all angry and ready to go. And Hardy's talking about being the underdog. And, you know, but it's worked for him so far, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. But at the end, you know, they, they throw the twist in. And Dan Hardy arrives in America Ooh. and shows up at Matt Sarah's gym. The last oh. man to beat GSP. That's true. Yes. And an evil alliance was formed in the universe. <laughs> plagued in darkness is... That's awesome. Uh, the, yeah. the MMA heels conspired against... As I was saying earlier before we were on the microphone, so yeah. I don't know what Matt Sarah could possibly teach Dan Hardy right. uh, in terms of beating uh, in terms of beating GSP, because I mean, all Matt Sarah did is punch him in the head. It's not like he had you know, some crazy, like... It wasn't like a secret, yeah. And, I mean, even then... You know, with Matt Sarah, it was a surprise that he was going to stand up with GSP. We all kind of thought that Sarah was going to be like the jujitsu guy, and you know he's come out and been a, a very good striker since then. But I mean, he was traditionally a jujitsu guy. Dan Hardy is traditionally, uh, you know, the kickboxer, so it's go- <laughs> it's not going to be any kind of surprise that he wants to try and knock out George St. Pierre. So I mean, it's just going to make it that much harder for him. And the fact that George St. Pierre continues to seem to improve. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's not impossible. Um, and, I mean, if anyone can do a standing knockout, uh, you know, Dan Hardy's, uh, you know, he's up there on the top of the list. But yep. it, it's hard for me to think that that's going to work out for you. Him. know, honestly, watching it, it really seemed more of, like, just kind of like a uh, something they were doing for dramatic effect, you know. Who knows if Dan Hardy's, like, you know, really was like, oh, man, I can't wait to go train with Matt Sarah for it was just something that kind of, you know, circumstance allowed it or, or whatever. But, you know, I, I don't think fight-wise... Matt Sarah's going to, like, reveal the secret to beating GSP. And I was thinking, like, the one thing he might be able to learn is just the mentality, because uh, Matt Sarah has fought George St. Pierre twice, a, a win and a loss, so he can maybe get it. And he was a heavy underdog both times. I mean, mm. Yeah, even being the champion, nobody <laughs> expected him to go out there and win. Right, so, so I think that might be, you know, if Dan Hardy is going to take insight away from Matt Sarah, I think that might be part of it. And, you know, I mean, maybe he can talk about it, because Matt Sarah, you know, Maybe just talk about even, you know, putting pressure on, on Pierre, you know, regarding, you know, get, catching him with that punch. But uh, A lot of it's confidence, you know, yeah, and that's exactly. at least somebody uh, who has done it, yeah. you know. If he had gone to another camp, you know, chances are there wouldn't have been somebody that absolutely had done it. Right, so I mean, it's interesting, if nothing else. But again, like fight-wise, I don't know how much of that's going to be a factor. And you know, we still got a couple weeks of build-up and make some good TV. Yeah, exactly. That's you know, that's what I thought at the end. I mean, they did like the slow motion reveal as he walked into Sarah's gym, and they like shook hands and they gave like their their devious, uh, mischievous grins to each other as the camera faded to black or whatever. Yeah, it was it was great. But uh, yeah, it's, as far as long-term ramifications, who knows. Uh, I, I did find uh, really quick the uh, the odds. It looks like John Jones is a favorite against Brandon Vera. By uh, how much? A lot. Um, I mean, I'm not I'm not big on betting lines, but uh, one has him at uh, you know minus two forty, and Brandon Vera's at plus one ninety. So I mean, it's that's pretty, pretty that's significant. Pretty close. That's yeah. two to one. Yeah, but I mean, I guess you know, it's considering the last line I saw with was uh, Hardy versus GSP. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like a bazillion to one odds, I believe, uh, approximately. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. Um, 
for uh, I know there's a I believe it's a dream card coming up, and I don't, I'm not gonna really break it down or anything, but just you know be on the radar. I think it's also this weekend. Let me uh, as long as we're talking MMA, uh, the, the, and there's a lot of what we do here. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. But um, the thing I was uh, KJ Noons, who used to fight in uh, Elite XC, and I believe he's signed to Strike Force now. Yes, he's uh, the last person to beat Nick Diaz. Yes, beat him uh, beat him with cuts, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, this is his return to MMA. He had been doing boxing for a while, um, so that, that'll be fun. And then you know, eventually we'll see him uh, in Strike Force. I hope. Uh, Excellent. So um, yeah, he's got he's got an impressive win against Nick Diaz, but this is also a guy who lost a crazy horse. So yeah, well you know. What, what Maybe not the most well-rounded of fighters. <laughs> the yeah, crazy horse yeah. beat Vanderlei Silva. Just ask him. Oh goodness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dream Thirteen is um, the twenty-second, which is I, I think that's going to be one of those late-night HD net like three in the morning cards. Awesome. Uh, Saturday or Sunday night, Sunday uh, Monday morning. But we also have uh, Josh Barnett fighting. Yeah. Yay. If you're under question and scrutiny about steroid use. Go to Japan. Yeah. <laughs> They'll let you fight anyone. Yeah. Um, it's good to see, you know, know he's fighting again because, you know, at, at one time, Josh Barnett was definitely considered, you know, a top ten heavyweight, and um, it, it, he's fallen off the radar. And he's you know, <laughs> had the issues with steroids and such. Um, but, you know. Is he fighting, like, one guy or is it, like, 30 midgets or something? Yeah. No, it's, uh, I'm going to get his name wrong. Uh, let's call him Mighty Mo because that's his nickname. Oh, uh, yeah. See how it's Hey, one guy. Um, yeah, I think, you know, so, I mean, that should be a fun fight and, you know, I, again, I don't know if we're ever going to see Josh Barnett fight again in the U.S. Um, I would think it's probably pretty unlikely. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's got this, he, the suspension on all of that, so I mean, yeah, he could come back and fight, but just uh, again, it's it's a risk. The yeah, promoter, he's got the our reputation. Promoter, our promoter's going to want to take that risk of him, you know, having these issues, and especially and, at the price tag he comes at. Yeah, uh, but yeah, and, uh, MMA Mighty Mo's three and one, uh, three TKO, KO victories and loss is a submission. But uh, I mean, Josh Barnett. Uh, unless something really weird happens, I would imagine Josh Barnett's probably going to take that uh, fight. He's much more, uh, uh, especially, you know, good on the ground. That yeah, he, he's a lot more well-rounded, so he should take that one by submission, unless, yes. you know, he gets knocked out, which, you know, he's had uh, pretty little success against Krokop, another, uh, you know, K1 guy. Yes. So, if he can get him down, he'll win, but yep. that's not always necessarily what happens. This is true. Uh, also on the card, again, probably won't break down too many of these fights, but just, you know, so you know they're coming up on the Dream uh, 13 card. Uh, for the fe- their featherweight championship is uh, Bibiano Fernandez versus, uh, going to get his number. I always want to say Joakim, but I think it's like more of a Yo- Joakim Hansen. Joaquin? Yeah. Mm. Joaquin Phoenix is fighting. Uh, <laughs> hey, he's back from his rap career. <laughs> yeah, My uh, good. Joakim ha- Hansen is uh, fighting uh, Bibiano Fernandez for the featherweight championship. You also have, uh, I guess you should mention uh, KJ Dunes' opponent, which is Andre Armando. Armando. Um, Rio Chonin is also on the card. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh, Yoshiero Meda versus Cole Escovito. A couple other uh, very uh, so solid fights for people who are up late and have HD net. Excellent. But, uh, I am I'm not one of those people, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, no. neither are we. But, mm-hmm. you know, we've got the internet, so we yeah. can download the fights later. Uh, yeah, so. Well, absolutely. All right. MMA to, to watch out for this weekend. Uh, I know, uh, and, and we talked about all about the, you know, the versus card and Talk about the. I mean, and you mentioned James Irvin versus uh, his fight coming up. And did we talk about many of the other undercard fights though? I guess Clay Guida's like, on the card. Yeah, Guida's on it, but I don't think yeah, he even said who he's fighting. Probably mentioned who he's fighting. I like how we're just like, oh yeah, people, people, uh, fighters, people already know are on this card. Hmm. So, you know. Yeah, let me pull that up, up again, and then we can uh, 
Although I wouldn't expect to necessarily see the Guida fight. As exciting as they are, yeah. uh, they yep. tend to go to the decision. He's not really much of a finisher. Yeah. Yeah, Clay Guida versus uh, Shannon Gugarty. Uh We also have a... Uh, ooh, was it Ultimate, the Ultimate Fighter 10? That's uh, That was the recent one? Or? Yeah. Yeah, uh, Brennan Schaub uh, is, is oh, making coming his off, return. Yeah, making his return, coming off a loss in the champ or the championship finals. The finals yeah. of the Ultimate Fighter against uh, Roy Nelson. He's taking on Chase Gormley. Uh, Mike Pierce versus uh, Julio Paulino. Hey, yeah. our Alaska guys there. Yes, yeah. Don't <laughs> you win or you don't come back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure you could beat us up. So maybe we you should. come back, win or you don't come back at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, making threats to professional fighters, Matt. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> where to go? Uh, Dwayne Lugwood uh, taking on uh, Darren Elkins, uh, Vladimir Matsusinko. Always get his name wrong. Uh, versus Elliot Marshall. Did I mention James Irvin versus Alessio Sakara yeah. and Eric Schaefer versus Jason Brills? So uh, full card and uh, oh, also Daniel Roberts and John Howard. So a full card and again, who knows how many of those we'll get to see? But lots of uh, lots of MMA action. Excellent. Happening this Sunday, huh? Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Sunday. All right. And what are we gonna do? Come here, watch it during while you're working. Oh, that'd be fun, right? I that'd think be so. Real productive. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll probably probably DVR it. You know. Good call. But uh, <laughs> anything else crazy? Um, you know, the James Tony uh, stuff has kind of kind of calmed down since last week. Uh, I've heard a little news. Have you heard anything about the Tito Ortiz situation? Yeah, uh, you know, th- the thing I saw just uh, tweets from ex porn stars. Yeah, <laughs> so you know, I I didn't touch much more on that or seen much more on it. But uh, go, what what have you heard about this, Greg? Well, uh, I mean, all I've really heard is that he, uh, you know, he had pulled out of coaching the season of the Ultimate Fighter, like. Partway through the season, I think they were almost done, and he left. And um, he's uh, canceled the fight with Chuck Liddell. Mm-hmm. And then at first they were talking about Chuck Liddell fighting uh, Rich Franklin at UFC 115 instead of Tito Ortiz, and they had said that Rich Franklin had finished up the season in Tito's place. But now I am reading that um, Rich Franklin is set to fight Randy Couture at UFC 115, which is an interesting matchup. Yeah, Dana, Dana White got on the, the Twitter, I think, recently about that, because once those rumors started coming out about uh, Liddell and Franklin, yeah, he was like, no, it's Couture and Franklin, so interesting. But yeah, I'm not sure, as far as Ortiz pulling out of the Liddell fight, you know, what... Complete around. secrecy? Yeah, you know, T- Tito made some tweets uh, that I checked out that mm-hmm. were, you know, basically just like, oh my goodness, my life has gotten so many new challenges, and all that kind of stuff, and... Uh, that was like a month ago. I just heard about this the other day because uh, you know I don't check my Twitter too often, <laughs> and uh, I, I went back and read those. And like you read his tweets now, and they seem pretty normal. He's like giving away punishment gear, um, so I, I don't really know what the deal is. But right. he uh, he had to leave Las Vegas and uh, had to cancel his fight. Had to leave the show during filming. Yeah, which is uh, you know that's a first. So I mean Dana has said in his press release that you know he and Tito are still cool. He's not mad at Tito, but it it really makes you wonder uh, what, what the happened? deal is. Yeah. And, and certainly not to make light of the situation if there is a serious medical uh, concern or anything like that, but. Uh, Chuck Liddell has said in interviews that if Tito gets in his face during the show, he's going to punch him. So, <laughs> who knows? Maybe Tito was making fun of him for working out naked, and yeah. Chuck had enough of it. That's right. Hopefully, that was not the case, and everything's uh, you know health wise is good. Yeah, I mean, maybe Tito was something. Tito said he was you know had been pretty beat up you know prior to the Forrest Griffin fight, and afterwards he was not any better. Certainly, I guess he's he coaching. still has the black eye. 
Goodness gracious. Yeah. Well, I mean, as for Rich Franklin, those things will stick around for a while. So. Yeah. But that's an interesting fight. I think uh, they got Rich Franklin coming up against uh, uh, Randy Couture. Actually, I thought the Rich franklin Chuck Liddell fight would have been fun enough, too. Yeah. Um, Rich Franklin's kind of in a funny position since he uh, has, has left the 185 class where it's just like, UFC needs a main event. Yeah. Here, Rich Franklin, yeah. you always just uh, was catching over here. <laughs> yes. Yeah, at, at least he's uh, finally in the 205 class, not doing, uh, you know, yep. the, the 195 thing, which he did for like two or three fights in a row. I think Dan Henderson was actually at 205, but then he fought both Vanderlei Silva and Vitor Belfort. You know, a couple of guys that are on their way to 185, and he's like, ah, we'll, uh, we'll have you fight Rich Franklin. He's another name, you're a name, both kind of, you know, not looking too great as of late. Yep. I do think it's interesting that they, you know, if this Couture Franklin thing does, you know, uh, becomes a, you know official and, and happens, it'd be basically you know a match, you know, clearly a main event for you know, uh, or main event caliber fight at least as far as name value goes and you know storied careers that sort of thing. But it, it's like the two some of the two most recent fighters, veterans that the UFC has been going to, you know, on a fairly regular basis. For like, hey, we need you to fill this position because you know, like you mentioned, Franklin had been doing that. You know, like, oh, we need a, you know, need someone to main event this European card, or need someone to, you know, show up on the Spike TV special, uh, and, and you know, that had been Franklin fighting, you know, Henderson and Silva and, and Belfort, and then you had, and since then, you know, Couture has been very, you know, this is the most active Randy Couture has been for a while. You know, he's having probably uh, ever. Yeah, it's 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 pretty impressive, and you know, so he he's been kind of, you know, the UFC's like, hey, we need need you to, you know. Fight Brendan Vera, you know this and that, and he he'd show up and uh, come through. And it, normally, you know, you know, back in I guess it, I, I had to say it's safe prime because you know who knows with Randy he freaking he's doing he, great these he's days. He's getting better, but I mean, you know, when he was doing the ti- the titles and all of that, I mean, he he was fighting much less frequently. So yeah, that's a real fight for relevancy, though. Um, I mean, Randy Couture actually coming off two wins, um, but you know, one of them was against Mark Coleman, and the other one was the uh, you know hotly contested Brandon Vera fight. And then, uh, you know, ever since uh, Rich Franklin lost his title to uh, Anderson Silva, he's just really not been able to string up a whole lot of victories. Uh, I think he's gotten, like, two victories in a row uh, a couple times since then, but, you know, it's been kind of just win-loss, win-loss, win-loss since then. And, um, you know, he he's finally at 205, which is what he was looking to do, but, uh, you know, he was a much more impressive fighter at 185 than at uh, 205 so uh, you know like this is kind of his uh, I think probably for both of them it's their fight to keep in the main event Randy Couture will probably stay in the main event until he retires just because he's Randy Couture and yeah. he's you know while Rich Franklin is the name Randy Couture is that big of a name he's he's on that elevated level that only like probably he Brock Lesnar and Chuck Liddell are on yeah um, and it'd be a ch- I mean because you know we kind of speculate after Mark Coleman win you know could could the UFC be setting up a Couture for uh, another title shot, you know, deserve it or not, just based on, you know, coming off two wins in a row and then, you know, his name value and coming back down to 205. And I think, you know, if he does the Franklin matchup is another kind of step in that direction if if they chose to do so, where, uh, you know, you can just get another a good solid pay-per-view by, you know, big main event between whoever the, the winner of Machida and uh, Shogun. So. Yeah. Which, you know, I... Randy keeps getting older, but I would like to see that fight, especially yeah. Machida, just because, uh, you know, like Shogun kind of figured out Machida in that last fight, and, uh, you know, arguably should have won that fight. I would have myself given it to him. Um, but, uh, you know, the Machida riddle is still uh, yeah. 
perplexing to most fighters, and uh, that's what uh, Randy Couture specialized at is uh, solving these puzzles. Yeah, well, I think that's really the interest, you know, in a potential Couture uh, Machida matchup because you know on paper Machida should, I mean, kill him. I mean, he's he's you know blown people up on the feet who are much you know much faster and you know athletic than uh, Randy Couture, but at the same time, you know, it, as soon as you mentioned Randy Couture, you're like, oh, he's like a master game planner. And he, he, the strategies he uses and how analytical he is, and that always kind of creeps in there. And that's what makes it interesting, because, again, you know, just looking at it, you're like, oh, Leo Machida would more than likely win. But, you know, we th- I guess we thought that before the Shogun fight, too. And yeah. I-, I think the the rematch between Shogun and uh, Machida is going to show us a lot about, you know, just, you know, a- adaptive game plans, that sort of thing. Definitely. If, if the same thing will work again or what. So. Well, I think... Uh I think Machida showed in the Shogun fight that while he does have a strategy that works really well, he doesn't seem to be too good at mixing that strategy up on the fly. Was, I mean, Shogun was scoring, he was winning rounds, and um, and Machida just kept going out there and doing the same thing. And, I mean, it worked for him. He, he did get the win, even though uh, most people don't really feel that he deserved it. Uh, he, he didn't really mix it up when uh, things weren't going his way. Hmm. I mean, he looked as surprised as anyone else when his name was called. Yeah, that was a. Uh, mm, yeah, I was I was watching with several friends when that happened, and some people were hot and bothered about the decision for sure. So I'm looking forward to the rematch. See if uh, if he'll change up his game plan, uh, and you know, see if Shogun's just going to try the same thing a second time. Who knows? Yeah, uh, I think Shogun is definitely going to want to try and work more towards the finish though this time, seeing as how. Uh, you know, he he might just have this feeling like I can't win by decision. Yeah, which is rough because you know he showed that he had a, a strategy that you know was effective, but at the same time to get him the win, and you're wondering like, is he going to be like? Okay, it's the mental aspect of the game. What is that? Was that fight due to you, and you're going to come out overly aggressive or, or something like that and get caught by? I yeah, mean, Machida's great at counters and that sort of thing. So, I mean, and you don't want to be overly aggressive against Machida. That's why uh, he beats everyone. He, he he gets them to come forward, and uh, yeah, he's great at countering that. Yes. So that's Agreed. a cool fight. Yeah. So all kinds of potential matchups coming down the pipe for UFC. No. One little piece of news I got. Hmm. Um, apparently, Massachusetts uh, has approved double weigh-ins. Row. Which uh, the UFC might not be too happy about. They've been talking about having a show in Boston, uh, making it a pretty big one, have a lot hmm. of their uh, uh, New England fighters on there. But um, Massachusetts has approved a double weigh-in, which calls for a fighter to be weighed in no more than 36 hours before the fight and then again on the night of the fight. Then the fighter cannot weigh any more than 1.0625 times his initial weight for the second weigh-in, which uh, in practical terms, uh, like, for example, uh, a guy at welterweight at 170, he would have to weigh in at 170 for the first fight, and then uh, or for the first weigh-in, and mm-hmm. then the day of the fight he can't weigh any more than 180. Uh, which wow. I personally like because, you yeah. know, I think that uh, fighting is what fighting is about, not weight-cutting. But that's going to be a big deal for dudes like Anthony Johnson oh, and uh, Tiago yeah. Alves, who weigh in at significantly uh, more than that 180. I mean, both those guys are known to be. I mean, Tiago Alves, they say, is around 200. Yeah. Anthony Johnson says he was at like 210. Um, the reason he didn't make his last weigh in, or not the last one, but the one before when he fought uh, Yoshida, was because he was at 220 and tried to cut 50 pounds. Um, you know what I'm predicting? Uh, heavyweights only in Massachusetts. Yeah. <laughs> and not Brock Lesnar, because he has to cut weight. Yeah, and, uh, you know, m- maybe a few of the guys who aren't really big weight cutters. I guess Rashad Evans kind of hovers right around 205 anyway. You know, they could probably find a couple other dudes like that. Maybe we'll see the return of Houston Alexander, because I guess he's right around that way, mm-hmm. too. 
<laughs> yeah, but who knows? I mean, that's you know, I mean, because I'm really kind of of two minds about the weight cutting thing. Because yeah, I mean, it, just from the health, and, and, and at this point, people, you know, people in wrestling have been doing it for years. It's down to a science, but at the same time, there's, you know, every once in a while you just hear that one thing about a guy getting really sick, or you know, even worse is you know, you have a fatality every once in a while uh, from someone, you know, getting too dehydrated, that sort of thing. People come into weigh-ins and like they're, you know, as soon as they get off the scale, they're handed like a Pedialyte or whatever, and they're just like drained of all their fluids. So there's always in the back of your mind the, the worry about the health concerns. Um, but I do understand it's it, it is part of the part of the game, not just in MMA, but you know, mentioned that you know wrestling that sort of thing, and um, it, it is an effective strategy for a lot of people. But it, like Greg, like you mentioned, it is about the fighting, and yeah, I think it'd be just you know one less thing to worry about if you didn't have to worry about you know cutting huge amounts of weight to have people fight at their more natural weight classes. But in just one state, you know, well, you know, they're gonna pop up like a couple here, a couple there, and. Hey, so you get the whole system bugaboo. Right, exactly. That's the thing. I mean, you know, MMA. New Jersey was what New Jersey was the first state to approve MMA, right? And yeah, and it steamrolled from there. So you know, and, and who knows? I mean, I, I've heard talk of you know, not nothing official, but you know, just you know, every once in a while you hear someone considering it, that sort of thing. Um, but it's a it's an interesting interesting concept, and I, I don't know if it'll catch on, but yeah, yeah. It definitely as far as the athletic commission's concern uh, concerns go, that's that's you know, kind of covers their bases at least, so you don't have the health concerns that you know. That, that they talk about that sort of thing. Well, it, you know, it's something that I'm happy to see, and I would like to see it. Uh, I would like to see it uh, spread out wider than that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like I said, it's it's about the fighting. It's not about how much, like, how good you are at dehydrating yourself. Right. And that is part of the game. And you know, so they're making it so you're not completely cutting it out. You still get that ten pounds. Yeah. Um, it's not doing what I have suggested in the past, where they weigh you like while you're walking down to the the cage. Um. So that would just completely eliminate weight cutting, or yep. you would just lose because you'd be too dehydrated to fight. Um, so I mean, they're not completely cutting it out of the game, but they're certainly nipping it because yep. I mean, there are some huge abusers of it, and I mean, it weight cutting is a loophole. I mean, that's that's what it is. It's uh, you know. When they made weight classes, you know, if you're going to fight at 170, I'm sure they had intended you to be 170 pounds. You know, maybe like 172, maybe you had to, like, sweat out that last little bit because, you know, I'm sure, like, not everyone's, like, watching their weight to that exact degree. Um, but, uh, you know, weight cutting is a loophole. It's just gotten bigger and bigger, and now that loophole is a part of the game. And uh, so I think they're just trying to make it less a part of the game than what it is because at this point it's huge. Yeah. Yeah, so in, again, interesting to see the, the ramifications of that and what, what what comes of that. But yeah, I mean, it's not a I, again. I don't think it's an outrageous rule or anything for them to make. Uh, just something that most MMA organizations aren't. Uh, I can't imagine necessarily would be fond of, or you know, because it would cause you know issues for the fighters. But it's something they might have to adapt to or whatever. But uh, like the big thing is how that would affect the potential UFC card at the moment. So. Yeah, well, I think uh, in terms of uh, fighters, you know. Maybe we'll just see a lot of guys fight in a different weight class than we're used to seeing them fight. Yeah. I mean, you know, really, like, we if we saw the same two guys fight uh, in the same weight class normally, uh, you would think they would probably be around the same size, seeing as how weight cutting is so prevalent. So if they were lightweights before, we could see the same two dudes just fight each other at welterweight. It would essentially be the same fight. They would just, you know, have not gone through as uh, brutal of a weight cutting process. Look, look, wouldn't look like they're about to die. Yeah, I mean, every once in a while you get the, uh, you know, especially the taller fighters who come out and just like they don't look like there's anything there. Yeah, it's always it's always kind of. And Chuck Liddell always has a six pack, which is 
odd on him. <laughs> Six pack around the gut, yeah, but uh, no, it's uh, again very kind of, I guess, uh, yeah. Excel yeah, it'll be good. It has to start somewhere, and if it's, yeah. you know, more or less uh, good for the fighters, you know, I'm of more of the state of mind where, you know, they're pros at it, so right. whatever they do to their body is fine. I'm also pro-steroids and stuff like that, but, Woo! you know, um, that's not going to be happening anytime soon. So, <laughs> no, no, I got you. You know, yeah, but, I mean, it's a good, it seems like a good precedent, and if that's how, you know, we, we want to uh, deal with professional sports in this country, then yeah. by all means, let's do it the right way. Well, and the nice thing is it's, it's the State Athletic Commission, so it's not like this is a hand, you know, a, a general rule for all of MMA. It's just in that specific state, and it's it's a good way to, you, you test the waters, and if MMA promotions are okay with it, then maybe other states will pick it up, and if not, then... You know, Massachusetts won't get good MMA events because no one of the higher level promotions wants to be a part of that. So yeah. we'll see. But I mean, like, like the worst thing that I could really see happening for the fighters, like I said, is basically they're just going to change weight classes. Right. And I would assume that you know nine out of ten guys, other than those freaks that cut you know thirty, forty pounds, uh, most people are going to jump up one weight class. Yeah. There, there's no reason why they wouldn't. So, you know, if this were to, in theory, go to all 50 states, or, you know, at least all the regulated ones, uh, you know, like, really all this means is uh, BJ Penn's going to be the welterweight champion. George St. Pierre's going to be the middleweight champion. You know, Anderson Silva's going to be the light heavyweight champion. And just everyone's going to be moving up a weight class, uh, except for those guys who will move up, too. You know, honestly, I don't know how much weight BJ Penn cuts so much as he just puts on weight when he wants to. Yeah, well, that's probably true. But, yeah, no, you, your point is well taken for sure. So, yeah, very uh, interesting developments there. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention, I mean, not any – within the next month, you know, coming up, I uh, haven't really talked about but the Bellator uh, tournament coming up. Ooh, which is, yes, uh, they just got a big signing. Yeah, yeah what happened? Huh? What is this? will be fighting in Bellator um, with the uh, potential to fight, uh, I believe, you know – Fight the uh, season one uh, tournament winner uh, Eddie Alvarez, um, so that could be uh, very exciting. But Roger, Roger Huerta, formerly of the former, formerly of the UFC. Yes, uh, he was the uh, guy who got his uh, big mug on the Sports Illustrated cover all those years ago, um, fighting. Yep. I think it was Leonard Garcia, and uh, he was kind of the UFC poster boy for quite a while after that. But then he took some time off and uh, had a couple of tough losses and left the UFC. But he's got the Tekken movie coming out, and now he signed with Bellator, so... Now, what tournament is this? Is this some sort of, like, Fight Quest Jean-Claude Van Damme? This is is all all ruled ruled and regulated, just like regular MMA. It's just in a tournament format, which I I like. Um, It starts up in April April 8th, uh, uh, multiple tournaments, including a lightweight tournament, which is Roger Huerta participating in that one. And uh, that's going to... Last year they were on uh, ESPN Deportes. Uh, yeah, they're on like the Spanish ESPN. I think yeah. it's. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying it's like a, a Latino only thing, but they it's certainly a, have yeah. uh, a lot of fighters uh, from uh, like Latin America going on in there. Right, kind of a more obscure channel. And this year they're actually going to be on Fox Sport Fox Sportsnet, which Ooh. is more accessible, I think, to a larger uh, group of people. So that'll be a you know. I, I'm pretty sure I have FSN. I don't think I had ESPN Deportes, so uh, I'll actually be able to watch the Bellator tournament. Although Bellator was last year very good about putting a bunch of their stuff up on YouTube, like themselves, publishing it themselves as opposed nice. to, uh, especially since they had some pretty sweet, uh, uh, awesome, you know, the submissions and knockouts and that sort of thing, and just kind of the, to build the hype, that sort of thing, get yeah. their name out there. Um, 
through the YouTube channel, which is really nice to see an MMA promotion use YouTube to their own advantage as opposed to, hey, stop showing fights on the internets. So they, they kind of took the reins on that themselves, and hopefully that will continue this yeah. year. Well, when you're not charging for fights, uh, there's no reason not to. Right, you want people, you, you, need, you need to build... Uh, hype for your your t- television ratings. And, the you know, the UFC up. is pretty much the only organization that's not giving fights away for free. So, uh, you know, it, it's reasonable for them to be like, "Hey, oh, copy- cut it out." Oh yeah, especially copyright all kinds. But of I mean, sort of yeah. anyone else uh, wants their stuff out there. I mean, yeah. there's no reason why Showtime wouldn't be uh, all over it, yeah. or uh, any of the smaller organizations. Right. Uh, she also mentioned the. Uh, and we'll get into more of this when the the date gets closer. But yeah. Um, I believe Bellator is also taking over over the uh, the syndicated late night spot that on NBC that like Strikeforce used to have, which is really just like a, a thirty minute basically paid advertisement type deal. Yeah. But it, it's really so like a highlight package thing to you know promote their upcoming you know show the best of like the last week or whatever that sort of thing. So uh, that that should be fun and uh, lots of uh, exciting fights coming up there and, and just you know in general not as many big names of course but uh, some solid fighters and Eddie Alvarez uh, won the uh, the lightweight tournament last year and you know the winner of this year's lightweight tournament I believe would face him yeah and then uh, the only issue I have with that is they do have uh, Eddie Alvarez fighting in the super fight uh, while this tournament goes on just to, you know and that makes sense they want to keep the champion active he will be fighting against Josh Neer which is fine but it's a non-title fight because they want him to uh be uh the champion for uh when he gets to fight the season or the the tournament 2 winner and i am not a fan of non-title fights especially you know when when you're in the same weight class when you do like the catch weight thing you know that, that's understandable uh but i i see no reason why Josh Neer should not have a chance to win a title here. You beat the champ, you should get that belt. Yeah, it's one of those. T- that's the the tough thing about the tournament fight because you know you, you have a champion who's basically waiting to fight the winner of that. And what do you do with? I mean, because you know tournaments take a while, you know. And, and Bellator, you know, relatively is is pretty a short shorter turnaround. But still, you know, you you just have the champion sit around and wait for the winner, and then just have them on the shelf for you know all that time, or, or what do you do? Well, so so yeah, I mean, you know, just. Yeah, it, it's unfortunate. I agree. I, I like the fight with Josh Neer. I just think that Josh Neer should get the the, the title fight, and uh, right. you know, should he win, he should fight the winner of the second tournament. I think. Yeah, that's a, that's a good take on it. I think so. I'm um, yeah, I'm I'm excited, for, uh, especially because I'll be able to watch it this year, the upcoming Bellator. Um, right, and they've got you know Bellator is a good place to check out you know upcoming uh, prospects that sort of thing as well. Um, Keep an eye out for, you know, basically breeding ground for the, the larger promotions eventually. eventually um, see some up-and-comers. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, again, April 8th, I think, is when it kicks off. So. Uh, other than that, I didn't see anything. No death threats on Twitter this week. Oh! Mm, well, I think the audio choke needs to change that. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, we'll no. just start calling out people. <laughs> I think we're good. I think. We'll be back. Uh, we'll be back. Next week, yeah. iTunes, of course, MMATorch.com. Leave a comment. Go to the forum. Um, yeah, let's, let's get this conversation going. Until next time. I'm Greg Rowan. I'm Tobin Shelby. I'm Matt Collins. And we'll catch you there. <laughs> oh, no. We're all playing God of War. Damn it, this chair. <laughs> <laughs>